Welcome to episode 37 of the Fasting Well podcast. Today I'm going to talk about supplements and kind of give an overview of why I think most supplements are overrated and some of the potential harms and dangers of just using any old supplement. And then I'll also talk about some specific supplements that I do use and why. These particular supplements, I'll explain why I think they're beneficial and why I've chosen to use them myself. And naturally, the reason I'm sharing this is because I think some of these same supplements can be beneficial for other people. So if after you hear my explanations, you want to take a look at the specific brands that I mentioned and things like that, I'll put a list on my website and I'll, I'll add a link to it in your app and on the show notes, but it's going to be at fastingwell.com supplements. So you should be able to find it there as well. All right, so let's get into it. So supplements, like I said, I think they're mostly overrated. And you can get most of your nutrition from food if you're including a variety of nutritious foods. So I think it's always better to focus on food first and think of food as medicine, food that's the thing that's going to help you get healthier. And one reason for this is that anytime they talk about some particular nutrient and they say like, oh, well, it looks like if you get a lot of this nutrient, then it has all these beneficial effects. Oftentimes later on, they, they do some other study and they notice that, oh, well, it's a lot more beneficial if you get it from food than if you take it in a pill. <laughs> There's tons and tons of examples of that out there. Um, and the reason is because when you get your nutrients from food, then there are other things that you're getting at the same time. So it's the way that your body is used to it. It's the way that we evolved or the way that our bodies are, are accustomed to absorbing that thing in the context of food. And so if you isolate it and take some megadose, oftentimes it doesn't have the same beneficial effect as it does if you get it from your food. So that's one big issue. Another one is, in terms of issues with the supplement industry, well, it's a big industry. There's a lot of money. So what could go wrong? <laughs> Well, the thing is, there, there's not that much quality control. Um, it's kind of, as I understand it, it's kind of voluntary whether these companies do any significant quality testing and whatnot. There are some third parties that will do quality testing, and you can kind of get this information. Like Consumer Labs is one that I look at sometime. Like what, they'll test a bunch of products and tell you, does it have mercury in it you know, or other harmful things? And did it have the ingredient that it said? But if you're just getting any old supplement, then there are horror stories out there. There's examples where not only do they have contaminants, like they might have some carcinogen or, or some other heavy metals or, or just other harmful things, or they might not even have the ingredients that they're supposed to have. Sometimes they'll have a, a pretty low percentage of what they claim to have. So if you just get any old supplement, those are the kind of problems you might run into. You might accidentally be taking something that's bad for you. So, uh, so the solution to that, like I said, there's some quality testing that you can look at. Um, there's certain certifications and things, that some of which are more meaningful than others. And then sometimes it, you can find maybe a brand that seems particularly reliable, that maybe has a good reputation. One of those is Pure Encapsulation. So I'm going to mention a few products from them. Another example would be Thorn. Um, and there are others out there, just ones that have done some, you know, quality control measures and seem to be pretty reliable companies. So in the vast majority of cases, supplements are overrated for all the reasons I've mentioned. 
and you probably don't need most of them. Obviously, it depends on your individual health circumstances. There will be exceptions to everything. But I'm going to go ahead and list off a few of the ones that I actually do use and the reasons why I've selected this relatively short list of supplements and, and why I choose to use each of these. So let's go ahead and get into the actual supplements. So one of the ones I use is vitamin D. And this is a little bit personal because skin cancer runs in my family, so I don't try to go out and get a ton of extra sun exposure. Um, my dad has had various types of skin cancer, and he always has to go get stuff burned off of, you know, at the dermatologist and whatnot. Um, so, so I don't want to be out there like getting sun exposure like crazy. I try to get some because it has other health benefits and whatnot besides generating vitamin D. But I think there are a couple other issues with vitamin D as well. And one of them is that we talk a lot about, you know, when I say we, like the medical field, talks a lot about taking calcium, getting enough calcium to keep your bones dense and stuff like that. But taking mega doses of calcium may have some harmful effects as well. And so the idea of taking calcium supplements is mostly overrated, I think. Um, and so I think for most people, it's not necessarily a good idea. But if you're deficient in vitamin D, that seems to be a really bad sign in terms of your overall health and kind of increases your risk of death. And quite a few people are deficient in vitamin D. You can get your level tested if you want to. I haven't personally done that, but I just take a moderate amount to try to make sure that I'm not deficient, basically. So most days of the week, but not every day, I take about 5,000 international units, IU, um, and so I'm pretty confident that, I, that that keeps my level up to a reasonable level. <laughs> um, so that's vitamin D. And when I was talking about bone density, like the things that are good for bone density are probably like vitamin D and exercise would be a couple of the best things for that. Whereas taking a whole bunch of calcium is usually not really needed. Um, especially again, if you're eating like a well-rounded diet and you're going to be getting a decent amount from just natural food sources and stuff like that. Okay, so that was number one, vitamin D. So the second one on my list is vitamin K2. So this may or may not be familiar to you. Most people, people have heard of vitamin K, which is vitamin K1, is what they usually mean by that. Um, and vitamin K and K2 are not really very similar to each other. So it's kind of, it's almost like type 1 and type 2 diabetes, how they're extremely different, and so they really shouldn't have the same name. It's kind of the same thing with vitamin K1 and K2. So vitamin K1, the, the typical one is, that they talk about is involved in like blood clotting. And so if you take a blood thinner, it might be blocking vitamin K. But vitamin K2 is more about calcium distribution. So I mentioned a couple things about calcium already, but another thing about calcium is that if you have too much calcium coming in and if you have other health issues, maybe it's inflammation, maybe it's other things, for whatever reason, calcium gets deposited in your blood vessels, in your arteries, and kind of causes the arteries to stiffen and, and whatnot. And so they even have this thing called a coronary calcium score. And so um, if you have a lot of calcium in your heart arteries, then that's a bad sign that you're more likely to have like a heart attack or other problems. So you don't want a bunch of calcium in your blood vessels. Um, that's one reason you might not want to take a mega dose every day. But it's also a reason to take vitamin K2. <laughs> so, Because um, what vitamin K2 does is it kind of helps put calcium in the right places. It kind of helps with the distribution of calcium in terms of not having as much in your arteries, having more in your bones, and that sort of thing. So vitamin K2, I, 
I don't think we get much of it in our American diet. There's、um, some, I think, Japanese food that's kind of high in it,、it's、called NATO or something like that. But in general, like if you're just eating the kind of food that we usually eat in the United States, you're probably not getting much of it.、Um, so I take a supplement for that reason. And there's a couple forms of it. There's the MK7 and the MK4. I think the MK7 is supposed to be kind of better. But there's one specific product that I take called Synergy K from Pure Encapsulations. I'll put a link to that as I mentioned. And、um, that has kind of a mix of both forms, the MK7 and the MK4. So that's vitamin K2. So I've mentioned vitamin D, vitamin K2. So let's go ahead and move on. So the next one on my list is fish oil. So fish oil. As you surely know, has omega 3 fatty acids in it. And so there's this whole thing about omega 3 versus omega 6, right? You get a lot of the omega 6 fatty acids from the things that we consume tons and tons and tons of in our standard American diet, like the soybean oil and the canola oil, because soybean oil is in most of the processed foods.、Um, so that's that overly refined veg- so called vegetable oil that they use for a lot of those. And so that's, I think that's the one that we consume the most of. And we're consuming like hundreds or thousands of times as much of that as we used to decades ago. And so we're getting a lot more of omega 6 versus omega 3 than probably what our ancestors did.、Um, but omega 3, the difference between the two, broadly speaking, is that omega 3 is less inflammatory and kind of reduces inflammation and like reduces your tendency to clotting,、um, you know, like having a heart attack or whatnot. Um, in general,、um, and omega 6 kind of does the opposite. So, you want to have sh- shift your ratio and kind of have more, shift it more towards the omega 3. And one way to do that is eating fish.、Um, and if you're going to eat fish, you want to maybe do the ones that are lower on the food chain, like sardines, because they don't have as much mercury.、Um, but if you're not getting a lot of omega 3s from, from your food, Then you may want to take a supplement. And by the way, the plant based omega 3s are not usually as bioavailable. You may not be able to utilize them or get as much benefit from them because of the way that they're processed. So you kind of want them more from the actual fish and other things like that, seafood and whatnot. So,、um, so it may be worth taking a supplement. And there are various products out there. Some are more reputable than others. And for example, I, I used to take one called Nordic Naturals, I think. Um, but lately, I went ahead, I went on Consumer Lab's website and I looked at their testing of fish oil. And they actually,、uh, there was actually a Costco product, Kirkland product, that tested well and was pretty affordable. So actually, that's the one I'm currently using at the moment just because it was convenient. I was going to Costco anyway, so I just grabbed that one. So I'll put a link to a couple different fish oils that I've used, including the, the latest one, on, the, on my、uh, webpage about this. So that's fish oil. Next, let's talk about magnesium. So, magnesium is one of the minerals or electrolytes. So, I talk about this a lot in the context of fasting, because if you're fasting and you want to supplement your electrolytes, you might want to be taking some magnesium. But even outside of the context of fasting, magnesium is still worth thinking about. And here's why most people are deficient in magnesium at baseline. It's estimated that about 70% of Americans are deficient in magnesium. And it's even more common among people with diabetes because they're peeing out some of the magnesium with the sugar and everything.、Um, so, magnesium is difficult to measure. So, you, you can't really, it's hard to know if you're deficient.、Um, and magnesium is involved in many different body processes. 
hundreds or even thousands of different processes. And there are various research studies. Some are probably better quality research than others, but there's a whole bunch that suggest possible benefits from getting extra magnesium, such as um, improving headaches, improving your mood, not being as depressed, having less cramps. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different things. Um, it's actually a pretty long list. So, um, And it kind of makes sense with my personal experience because in the emergency room, we actually use magnesium to treat several different things. Well, we, we use it to treat a few things, and then there are several others where they say, and magnesium may also help with this. <laughs> so, for example, if you're having a heart arrhythmia, some types of heart arrhythmias where your heart's not beating properly are due to a magnesium deficiency, and so you'd want to get magnesium in your system right away if you're having something like that. Also, magnesium um, is a treatment for premature labor, premature pregnancy contractions. And then it's also used for asthma, can be used maybe for headaches. So kind of the list goes on of things it can potentially help with. And so that kind of fits how, you know, there's, a, there's all these studies out there that say it might help you in this way or that way in terms of symptoms if you get some extra magnesium. So I think unless you have a medical contraindication, it's probably worth getting some extra magnesium in your system. Um, so how much magnesium do you need? Well, the recommended daily allowance or dietary allowance is around 400 milligrams. But some people, uh, from what I've read, some people think it'd be better if, if that were more like 600 or 800 milligrams per day. Um, I've read that um, if you're on a ketogenic diet, you, should, you might want to take about 400 a day just as a supplement in addition to like the food that you're eating um, to prevent cramps and things like that. And you can take magnesium by mouth, but if you take a lot of it by mouth, you might get diarrhea, you might get loose stools. So if you're doing just any old magnesium supplement by mouth, you'd want to titrate up. You'd want to slowly increase the amount to make sure you're not getting a bunch of diarrhea so you can just see how much your system can tolerate. But some ways around that are there's a couple forms, magnesium glycinate and bisglycinate that don't seem to cause as much diarrhea. And then you can also take an Epsom salt bath. And that's because magnesium sulfate is Epsom salt, and so it absorbs through your skin to some extent. So I've used, I do the Epsom salt bath sometimes, and I usually feel really relaxed afterwards when I do that. So <laughs> seems to have an, like an almost immediate effect when I get it that way. And then I take it by mouth sometimes. I've used powders. Um, I'm kind of using up this um, magnesium gluconate powder that I have just because it was this big package I bought a couple years ago. So I've been working on that. I'm almost done. But but now what it, when I buy it now, I get magnesium glycinate from either pure encapsulations, or I've also gotten it from bulk supplements. So I'll put links to a couple of those products. So that's the story of magnesium. So it's pretty under underappreciated, probably underrated as a supplement, actually, um, as opposed to many of the ones that are out there. So next, let's talk about, um, I have just a couple more on my list here, I guess three more. Um, so I'll try to be quicker on these. Um, so the next one is probiotics probiotics, which of course are bacteria. And so there's a lot of emerging research showing the importance of the normal bacteria in our gut, meaning our intestines. And so it's called the gut flora or the microbiome, intestinal microbiome, gut microbiome, all these different phrases that mean the same thing. And one of the problems with bacteria is, as a society, we take way too many antibiotics. And so I, of course, experienced this working in the ER and other places where I've worked, where people always come in with a cold and they want antibiotics, right? And so I usually try to talk them out of it because the vast majority of the time, if you have a cold, meaning like a runny nose or, and or a cough, 
if you're a fairly healthy-ish person, most of the time you do not need antibiotics for that. In other words, unless it turns into pneumonia or something like that. Um, but many, 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 many times people do take antibiotics for those things, even though it's a viral syndrome and they absolutely don't need antibiotics in most cases. Um, so a lot of kids get antibiotics at a young age because of that same phenomenon and because of the overtreatment of things like earaches. Like not every earache needs antibiotics either. It depends on how severe it is, et cetera, et cetera. So in general, we get exposed to way too many antibiotics. And there are other reasons too, like they use it in food production and stuff. So sometimes we're getting exposed to them indirectly. But in, in any event, that kind of wipes out some of the good bacteria in our gut. And the, the emerging research that I alluded to is kind of showing how important that bacteria is. It affects almost every aspect of our health, including mental health, including our blood sugar, including all these different things. So if you've potentially damaged your gut microbiome by taking antibiotics or through other issues, um, for example, if you take way too many laxatives, like getting ready for a colonoscopy, that'll kind of, that'll impact it for sure. Um, then you may want to take a probiotic. Now, most probiotics are not good quality because they kind of need to, the majority of them probably need to be refrigerated, for example. And so if you just go to the pharmacy and get any old one off the shelf, most of the bacteria in it is probably not viable anymore. So, um, so you really want to get a decent quality probiotic if you're going to bother to take one. And there's one in particular that I do use, and it's called VSL3 or VSL number three. And that's because it's really robust. It has a large quantity of these, you know, colony forming units. I think they're called like billions of them or whatever. I don't know. I don't remember the number, but it's a lot more than the ones you would just buy at your pharmacy. And it's been researched and shown improvement in certain um, gut conditions. So I know it's pretty uh, robust, as I said. And then I do have some, like, like I took some antibiotics like, like eight years ago or something that kind of caused me to have some <laughs> TMI alert, but like constipation issues. And, um, and then eventually I took some VSL3 and it caused some pretty dramatic changes in my uh, bowel, move, bowel habits, let's put it that way. <laughs> so I could tell it was definitely doing something. Um, but anyway, so that's one probiotic that I use, and those are the reasons. Um, so next, let's talk about collagen. So there's different collagen supplements out there, and so that's a type of protein. Not only is it protein, but it can potentially kind of directly go into your joints and kind of help your joints. There's some research that shows it gets taken up into your joint cartilage and things like that, if you, depending on the timing and how much you take and, and stuff like that. So it seems to be beneficial, probably. So that's one reason I do use it. And most people are, don't get enough protein in their diet anyway, or enough bioavailable protein. So this is just another um, benefit in terms of increasing your protein intake as well, but it can pr p uh, potentially help your joints at the same time. So it's a win-win. So I've used a couple of products. One is Great Lakes Collagen, and another one's called Vital Proteins. Both of them are available on Amazon, so I'll put some links. And, I, and the Vital Proteins, at least where I live, is also available at Costco. So that's the short version on the collagen. So that's, that's kind of my main list right there. But you may be wondering about multivitamins. What about a multivitamin with a whole bunch of different stuff in it? Well, there are pros and cons. So the, the potential issues with multivitamins is that sometimes you get too much of certain things. You get too much of the wrong form of a vitamin or mineral. And if you get too much of the wrong form, it might push out the better form that you're getting from your food and kind of displace the good stuff because sometimes there's only room for so much of it in terms of like which ones are binding to certain receptors and this and that. 
So two in particular, two issues in particular are the vitamin A and the vitamin E. Both of those have issues in terms of like how much of the wrong form you may be getting from your multivitamins. So for example, you don't want a whole bunch of the preformed vitamin A, um, which is, I think is called retinol. Um, but so you want more of it to be from like the beta carotene. So if they have like a large percentage of it from the beta carotene in your multivitamin, then that's a good sign. Because if you have too much of the retinol, it can cause issues. I think it had something to do with prostate health in one particular study. Um, but in any event, it's not good to get way too much of it. And you can also just have the overdose on vitamin A if you're getting too much of that. So don't go eating any polar bear livers. That's how you get too much of the <laughs> vitamin A. Anyway, so vitamin E also has multiple forms. And if you just take the supplements, usually you're just getting one form, but your body's kind of supposed to have a balance of different forms of vitamin E. Uh, I think Rhonda Patrick um, mentioned that if you just take the, the one form that's usually in the multivitamins, then it kind of accumulates also in the prostate, mentioning the prostate multiple times, and can possibly increase the risk of prostate cancer. Now, I'm saying that possibly because I don't remember the exact research or whatever it was that she was citing at that point, um, but it's not really good to have that imbalance. You want like kind of the balance of natural forms of vitamin E. So when I look at multivitamins, I kind of look at those things, and, and, I, and I kind of keep that in mind. Now, a multivitamin, on the other hand, may be worth taking because, you know, the soil is kind of depleted, and so a lot of foods don't have as many nutrients as they used to have and so forth. So it may be worth taking a multivitamin as kind of insurance to make sure you're not completely deficient in certain things. Um, and it's, you know, there's a lot of different things in those multivitamins. So my approach is I take a multivitamin, but not every day. Uh, <laughs> so that's why I do it just like two or three times a week. So that's kind of my happy medium so that I'm hopefully not getting way too much of some of those preformed things that I don't really want, but I am trying to make sure I'm getting at least a little bit of some of the other things that maybe I wouldn't be getting enough of from my diet, you know, at least some of the time, right? So I take one called, it's from Pure Encapsulations called One, One, O-N-E, multivitamin. So, so that's pretty much my list of supplements. Those are my thoughts on multivitamins. I was going to give a quick honorable mention to um, all the all the stuff I've been mentioning is mostly like vitamins and minerals, right? But uh, there are lots of other types of supplements. And one that I recently mentioned, um, if you're one of my email subscribers, you would notice that I recently mentioned um, health code meal replacement shakes. And so just like supplements, most meal replacement shakes are overrated. They have a lot of problems. But this one was um, created by Dr. Ben Bickman, who was on episode 18 of my podcast, um, he he kind of helped decide what ingredients to use, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's actually pretty good. It has good bioavailable protein, a mix of healthy fats, and it's low carb. And so I don't use it all the time. I just use it when I'm in a rush or in a pinch or whatever. And so if you're going to get a, a meal replacement shake, that's probably the best option that's out there. So it's called Health Code. I'll put a link to that as well, just in case you want to check that out also. So Sometimes I use other supplements, but I've just kind of listed off all the main ones that I focus on and the reasons why. So as I mentioned at the beginning, most supplements are probably overrated. There's a lot of quality control issues. So you want to make sure you're using a reputable company or a reputable product. And the way you'd know if it's a reputable product is if it's been third party tested, third party tested. So not the company itself saying, oh, it's great, but like somebody else actually testing it and seeing what's in it. Um, 
There are a few in particular that people tend to be deficient in, which includes some of the ones that I've listed, like magnesium and vitamin D, like a lot of people are deficient in those, and or we don't get much vitamin K2 in our diets here in the United States, and, and so on. So there's these specific things that um, certain people are deficient in, and so in those cases, it's probably a good idea to take something. Um, but may, you mainly want to focus on the quality of your food, because even the, the nutrients that you do get kind of work better if they're coming from real food versus just taking a pill. So definitely focus on food first, but these are some supplements to consider. So I'll go ahead and link to kind of like a blog post, just a page on my website where I'll kind of summarize a few key points from what I said here, and then I'll list off some of the supplements that I mentioned in case you'd like to look at any of those specific products and whatnot. Um, and then I'll probably put that in the menu on my website as well, just so it's kind of easy to find in the future. But for now, uh, it should be fastingwell.com slash supplements, supplements with an S at the end. And then um, I'll put a link to it on your app and also in the show notes, which are on my website. So that's just a different page on my website where I have a, the show notes for each um, podcast episode. All right. So you can check that out if you want to at fastingwell.com slash supplements. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. The Fasting Well podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the need to consult with your own medical providers.